Welcome to Healing Wisdom, a Thursday morning talk show featuring guests sharing their stories and knowledge. We discuss the healing aspects of the arts, metaphysics, social justice, and adventure through all types of terrain. So join me, Pandora Peoples, here on WOMR 92.1 FM in Provincetown and WFMR 91.3 FM in Orleans. We're streaming worldwide at WOMR.org. pleased to be here on this Indigenous People's Day. We have actress Sherry Foster Blake with us, and I'm so excited to speak with her. She's done so much for the community, so much for uh, Native Indigenous folks, and is just a bright shining light with so much interesting past and history to talk about and so many stories. So welcome, Sherry Foster Blake. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's an honor and a pleasure. Thank you for, for having me, Pandora. So you're Texas born, you're of Cherokee descent, and you're joining us from Minneapolis where you're currently rehearsing for The People and Native Comedy by Ty Defoe and Larissa Fast Horse. The play runs at the Guthrie Theater, Tuesday, October 10th through November 12th. You narrated the Emmy-nominated Great Performances PBS special featuring the American Indian Dance Theater. You toured with Native American Theater Group's presentation of Mystic Voices directed by Bob Hicks. You won the Best Supporting Actress Award for from First Americans in the Arts for your performance and Oliver Stone's You Turn. Your films include Naturally Native, Secondhand Heart, Shouting Secrets. You can be seen in seasons one through three of The Unbreakable uh, Kimmy Schmidt. And, uh, and also, so that's a Netflix series created by Tina Fey and Robert Carlock. And you're the first American Indian to be considered for an Emmy Award for that role as Fern White. So Thank you for all you've done. You had a dress rehearsal yesterday, so I'd love for you to tell us about the play For the People. Oh, For the People is just that, it's For the People. And it's the setting is in Minneapolis, it's a comedy and uh, Larissa Fast Horse and, and Michael uh, John Garcias, they're kind of like a, a writing team director and she uh, is the first native playwright to open on Broadway with the Thanksgiving play. So for her, for, for Larissa, this was a childhood dream to open a play at the Guthrie. And so here we are. And it has been the most exciting, fun, tired, you're, you're tired, you're exhausted, but it is a blast to work on. And the process has been, you have a play and because of tech, we just finished tech week, which is, is tech week in itself is exhausting. And uh, we just trim and you trim the play. And so now we have, we had our first dress last night and um, it is hysterical. So if you like to laugh, you should come. But if you don't laugh, then you should stay home. Uh, it's about a, a, a young, uh, in the native communities now, you have, you'd have all, you have a reservation, uh, you have reservation Indians, you have city Indians, you have, uh, you 
you know, some with, with Indian descent, some that are half, some that are full, some that are mixed. So this play addresses all of this. And then, of course, there is the racism. And it addresses all of this with uh, good fun and humor. It needs to be said, but it's said in a way that we all can accept. So it's just been a joy. And Wes Studi, who is like a brother to me, uh, we've been close for many, 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 many years. Uh, he is just, you know, he's shining. And then I just want to say everybody, a member of the, uh, of the cast, because it's just not me, it's everybody. So we have Katie Avil Rich, and of course, Wes Studi, and Nathaniel Two Bears, Adrian Zygma January, and um, Ernest Briggs. Uh, Kendall Kent, who is our only European settler descent, and she's just knocking it out of the park. And then Kalani Guopo. Uh, so we have Guopo. So we have all these wonderful actors and, of course, our, our, our creative team. And uh, we've all gelled. It's like a family. It's like a community uh, within a community. And I, I really feel blessed to be a part of this. And what character do you play? I play, uh, I play Daisy Child. So Wes and I are the elders. And in a community, um, uh, Native people, we honor elders. We go to our elders for advice and for guidance. And uh, so we, uh, play, uh, Wes and I play the elders. And so we're kind of like the comedic uh, uh, team that, you know, nav navigates the play. Of course, all of the play is funny, but when there's, times that we kind of come up with what uh, elders would do and don't have to answer for. So that's that's my character is he's uh, Herb and I'm Daisy and we're the elders. So did you first meet playwright Larissa Fast Horse in Los Angeles when you were doing Urban Res? Uh, no, I met Larissa. I met Larissa before that at the Gene Autry at Mystic uh, at Gene Autry at the, uh, the, the Native Theater there. She uh, was, uh, you know, shopping plays. She was, she was developing her plays. And then um, I auditioned for some of her plays there, which I did a workshop. And she's a choreographer, so she has dance. So I was dancing and singing, and it was great fun. But just the workshop part of it. And then she went over to Cornerstone Theater. And that's where it was Cornerstone, where I really connected and where we did Urban Riz, which, again, was a blast. So what that... That play was set outside and it was like a powwow, uh, a powwow uh, set outside in the city, in the urban downtown uh, Los Angeles with, you know, the trains going overhead. And uh, and that's how it is when you're urban and and the, the, the audience would come. And so they were part of the powwow. So uh, it was great fun. And uh, I loved it. That's awesome. So you served on the board of directors of the American Indian Registry founded by Will Sampson, and you were a founding trustee of the First American in the Arts founded by Bob Hicks. Um, so first, could you talk about the American Indian Registry? Well, the American Indian Registry happened long time ago. It's been like 40 years. But Will Sampson, he saw the need that that since Dances with Wolves and since his uh, Will was in um, cuckoo's nest he saw that that Indian people were moving into LA and wanted to get into uh do, get into the entertainment business so what he created for all of us he recreated a registry so if you came in you would register you know say who you are where you came from what your tribal affiliation was and then everybody in the community would help you 
if you needed a place to live, we'd try to help. If you needed, you know, babysitters, we'd try to help. Or, or what were you interested in? Try to just put you into a direction. And so that uh, registry, Hane Gigama uh, was also, Hane Gigama was the director uh, when I arrived. And then Bob Hicks took over. And so that was just, uh, it was a place where, you know, uh, I remember Georgina Lightning, she was Canadian. And she came in with these little children, three of them. Cody and uh, now they're they're grown, but it, we helped her try to find where she's going to find housing, what's she going to do, you know, what will she do, you know, stories like this, and that's that's what they were for, just to help our own and to 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 get them into the community and to enlarge our community. Very cool. So, can you talk about the educational theater group that was led by Bob Hicks and Oh, Mystic Mystic Voices? So. This was wonderful. We did, uh, there were several actors. Let's see, uh, Harrison Lowe, myself, um, uh, Lance from Oklahoma. This was years ago to where the, the mind's not, not as sharp as it once was. But we did stories. We took different stories from different nations and we acted them out as animals. So it was very physical. It was a physical storytelling group. And there was six of us. So there was different stories and we toured for schools. And uh, for uh, the museums, you know, would have schools come in to to see see our stories. And then from that, that dissolved. But I took the stories and then I created a one woman show, which was just Sherry Foster's <laughs> Blake's one woman show. I didn't have a name, but I continued that. I continued to educate children in libraries or in powwows to uh, at powwows. We always have an area for the children to be entertained because it's a long day. So I would do my story at powwows. But one time was, I was open for John Trudell. Uh, and I was so excited about that because he was, he's, he's a legend. Uh, he was our great poet and he's since passed. So I'll always remember that. It was fond, fond memories to open for John Trudell. Yeah. So can you talk, uh, can you, can you share some of, uh, some of your stories, um, kind of bring us back there at that time? Like, you know, well, first of all, what, can you talk a little bit about the racism in Hollywood and what you guys were up against and why there wasn't a need for the registry in the first place? Well, it's, it's the racism in Hollywood. I wouldn't call it racism. I think racism happens outside of Hollywood. I know, when I got there, I was, you know, oh, you know, oh, yeah, you're Indian. Oh, yeah, that's cool. But what happens in entertainment and in film, it's not only for the Native people, it's for all people of color, all Indigenous people, but it's getting better. You know, now, the, as you've noticed, the Academy Award has opened it up to where now people of color are, are you know, beginning to host, are beginning to uh, get nominations, are beginning to win you know, awards because they're wonderful actors. Um, so it's just, um, it's like any group. It, it's, but we're, we're getting there. Rutherford Falls is one way. Uh, Res Dogs, which was a huge success. So slowly but surely, we are, we're entering the mainstream. And, and the other one, the Kevin Costner uh, uh, show that's on, I should know it, but again, with the brain, but uh, Gil Birmingham is playing a, a head of a casino in that show. And that's a huge success. Um, what is that show with, uh, I, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a Western, so it's huge in the United States. 
Oh, but that, uh, yellow, 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 huh? It's Yellowstone, right? It's Yellowstone, yeah. Yellowstone. Sorry, but as I say, we've been uh, tech week and it's my day off. So Yellowstone with Gil and having that side storyline. That's that's good too. So, um, you know, there's a lot of progress, but we're, we're ready for more. And then they're going to be opening October the 6th, Martha and Scorsese. Is uh, did a movie about the Osage happening. Uh, it's uh, the Flower Moon will open uh, October the sixth, which is going to be a great event. And again, a history lesson. This happened. Our history has kind of gotten muddled when it comes to uh, Native Americans or Indian people in the United States. So Morris Scorsese is really a, a, a hero here again. Very cool. And you were. Um... You've worked on Rutherford Falls with Native uh, writer and producer Sierra Teller Ornelas. Yes, she was wonderful. Sierra was great. Uh, Michael uh, Gray Eyes was also uh, on that. I played, I think I played Michael's assistant. There was kind of what what was my character. And um, it was a great experience. Um, uh, it was like we were also very excited for that. Uh, it's since been canceled, but we were excited for it in the beginning. And I could understand why it was canceled because it was so good. But it was it was I'm so I'm so blessed I was a part of that in the very beginning. And it was great working with Michael again too, Michael Gray Eyes. So. Can you talk about like any memory that really stands out in terms of uh, either educational theater, um, you know, telling the myths and the stories and, and, and audiences receptivity to that, especially. Oh, sure. Um, represented? Uh, my stories are, are the stories. My story, uh, the storytelling that I do is, is directed for kids. But of course, it can be it can be uh, for adults. But we've always been story, big storytellers, Native people, because if you know that's how we would communicate. You would travel across the prairie, you would tell your stories when you got to the next camp, and uh, so the stories always give a lesson for children or for adults. So within the story is a lesson, and so our stories don't hold back. Sometimes you die, you know, people things die, but then people come back to life because we do have a spirit world. We. That's, you know, it depends on, on what nation you are. So uh, there was always an educational uh, uh, meaning at the end for the kids to think about. I would also teach songs, you know, uh, chili, I would do several songs in my show and the children loved, loved, the school children loved to, to, to do the songs and, and to, because of course there was a lot of movement. Uh, my stories, I would, I do a lot of physical comedy, not so much now because, you know, but back then I was doing a lot of physical comedy to where, you know, and very animated. And it was a blast. Again, it was stuff I do. I mean, I've done a lot of things that weren't a blast. So I'm telling you things that I had fun with. But, um, uh, and the questions would, I remember one little boy, I was doing a thing where I couldn't fit on a coat of feathers. I went, oh, I can't fit on my coat of feathers. And because the scene before that, I was eating all this fry bread. And this little second grader just said, Maybe you had too much fry bread. And I laughed. And, and so I the next time I did the show, I was doing that. And I went, oh, maybe I had too much uh, fry bread. So you're always learning from your audience, too. It was just great fun. 
Very, very sweet. Um, so I would love for you to talk about, you just finished shooting the Duplass Brothers production Allies, which is written and directed by Barrett O'Brien. Can you talk about that? Yeah, uh, Mark was in it too. It was Barrett, Mark uh, Duplass. That was uh, shot during COVID or towards the end of COVID. And um, the Duplass Brothers do movies that are story driven. And that's what I love about and uh, about the Duplass uh, formula. I'll say um, they're not. It's not so much about how you know your physical. Your we didn't have makeup. You have very little wardrobe. Uh, there's not a huge crew. Uh, you have a director. You have your cinematographer. You have uh, the producer who acts as the AD, and you go and you do the work. And it was. Uh, it was shot at a, at a little uh, uh, restaurant in Burbank and it you were just there and it was slow and you just, you don't worry about how you, you just, you want to do, it was a wonderful experience because it was about story. It wasn't about a bunch of blowing up buildings. It wasn't about, you know, making this work or that work. It was just being involved in this beautiful story about these two guys driving across country discovering themselves, discovering and trying to figure out things for themselves. And they stop in a restaurant and I'm the waitress. And it's all that, what happens when you are out on the road, out in the middle of, of the United States and you, and you come up to just these two people and you can't help but listen to their conversation. And then you're just there in it and they respond to you. So it was, it was, it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful moment. Uh, this film is, it's a chunk of someone's life. And out of all the folks that you've met in film and the film industry and also working on TV, you know, what, what are, what's like your standout, a <laughs> couple of standout uh, connections that you made? Standout connections. Oh, connections. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, connections. I have. Uh, I've connected with a lot more Native people, which, like in this play here, I've met so many more uh, Indigenous people that are so talented and are so are so wonderful to work with, so knowledgeable. So we're seeing that there's there's Native theater popping up all over the country. And uh, there's so many young uh, young people getting into uh, getting into entertainment, but it's not only acting. It's look like Larissa and Ty have done. They 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 have been writing these wonderful plays that we are lucky enough to be a part of. And they're not the Bill Yellow Robe. I did a Bill Yellow Robe play, The Independence of Eddie Rose. This was like. 30 years ago in, in Washington, uh, in Seattle, but look how far we've come. I mean, it's all, all so encouraging that, uh, so that's what I really feel that I've met I, in terms of meeting celebrity or working on set. I mean, that's always great fun too, but, uh, you know, again, when you go, it's, you're working. So it's not a, it's, it's not a, but it's not a social unless there is a party because everyone, every actor or everyone's doing their job and everyone has a job to do. So when you're working, everyone is pretty, you know, of course you greet in morning and, and afternoon, but everyone's working. So that's been my experience. And what do you hope to see happen in terms of uh, native visibility 
in theater, in film, in... I just hope to keep going bigger and bigger. What uh, what uh, uh, Res Dogs has done is that's big. What this play will do, uh, being on Broadway, that's big. I just want us to, to keep growing and to keep sharing our stories, to do our stories, our stories, not, not someone's made-up story, but do our stories uh, about our experience as Native people and Indigenous people in the United States. And I, I, that's what I wish. And to just keep going more and more and more. And I don't know if I mentioned, and I do want to mention uh, 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 Kendall. Did I say Kendall? Did I mention Kendall Kent? No. Uh, Kendall Kent in our play and, and for the people, she is our settler descent. She's our only European descent person. So I just really wanted to give her a shout out. She's had the, the I hope she's honored. She's have, I want to say she's honored to work with, uh, with Native writers and Native cast. And she's really held her own. And she's really a, a fun person to work with. I just wanted to give her a shout out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, you did mention her before. Yeah. Okay, cool. But, but, but good, good to do a shout out. So lastly, you've done voiceover work. So I did uh, the voiceover for uh, the Spirit Rangers. And uh, Wes, who's also in this show, he's also in the Spirit Rangers, and so is Tantu Cardinal. And then I'm doing the chair. The last season I did a Cherokee uh, grandmother, and I had to speak Cherokee. So that was a challenge. But again, you just study. And I got a wonderful uh, translator uh, from Oklahoma who helped me every day for like three days. And then you go and you do it. So, and the, the, that I, I just, I, I don't know if I'm getting older and I'm looking at everything as a fun time because you're not so, when you're young, you're so, oh, how do I look? Uh, all this other stuff. When you get older, it's more about, this is work. Let's just do it. And so again, spirit rangers to do that was just a joy. So uh, this season, but the season before I voiced several characters. So it's whatever they, they want, you know, I'm lucky to do, or they have me do or ask me to do, I, I do. So that's, and they're great to work with too. So if you work with native people, you're going to have a good time. So what is it like to voice the cartoon? Uh, the boy, oh, it's great. They, when you're doing it, they usually just say, do this and you'll do it, do it a different way. And so you, it's a quick think on your feet. Uh, you just really don't have time. You're in a booth. You do it. If they want something else, they tell you and you give them just different ways. It goes fast, different ways. Maybe they'll settle on something they like and you keep that. Or maybe they just want different, different, different the whole time. So it's, uh, you know, just thinking on your feet, using your, your voice. Well, thank you much, so much. Thank you so much, Sherry Foster. Well, thank for you for having me. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. And if folks are in the Minneapolis area or feel like flying in, they can see you at the Guthrie Theater this Tuesday through November 12th. Yes, Tuesday. And there's two mat- Saturday and Sunday matinees, one o'clock. And please, if you like to laugh, please come. Uh, Minneapolis is a wonderful city. We're downtown Minneapolis, and uh, it'd be a great time. Come, come, come. 
We've been speaking with actress Sherry Foster Blake. Very happy to have here with us Michael Whitehorse Aviles. He is uh, a musician, a power organizer, a visual artist, a historian, an elder of the Gabrieleno Tongva San Gabriel Band of Mission Indians, a descendant of the California mission system established by Spain in the 1700s. He's also a descendant of the Southern Paiute and Western Shoshone people of the Mojave River in the Mojave Desert in what is now Victorville. And the Sherman Institute was one of more than 350 Native American boarding schools run by the federal government from the late 1800s to the 1970s. How was your family affected by the government-run Indian residential schools? Yeah, they went there. Uh, My grandfather went to Sherman when it opened in the early 1900s. And uh, back in those days, it was, uh, they were more or less forced to go there. Uh, But um, my grandfather's brothers and sisters all went to Sherman. And at that time, it was, when I was a little boy, I remember being called Sherman Indian Institute boarding school. And at the time when I was, you know, uh, in grade school, it was like it was when it started back in the 1800s. It wasn't so recent in the 1970s that it changed, completely changed, where before my family weren't allowed to sing their songs, they weren't allowed to do their dances, they weren't allowed to speak their language, uh, none of that. But laws have changed all that in the 1970s where kids today, they go to that school and it's still functioning. The school is called Sherman Indian High School now. Uh, they, they do stay there because a lot of them come from other uh, reservations out of state. But they, today they are allowed to uh, do their dances, do their ceremony, speak their language and, and wear their regalia when they're doing ceremony or dances. Uh, but uh, back in the day when my grandfathers and, and the family went to that school, it was more like a military kind of setup where they wore uniforms and they had a marching band and they played uh, uh, marching tunes from uh, Sousa and all that. And, and it was more like mm-hmm. militaristic. They marched all over the place, where they, wherever they went. And it was more disciplinarian kind of thing. The boys uh, cut their hair. They cut their hair. They had to wear uniforms. They weren't allowed to speak their language. They were given uh, Christian names. Uh, and my fa- grandfather was named Frank. He called him Frank. And then Michael, who I'm named after, I'm the third one. Uh, but I learned a lot from my dad. And he said, they were called, they were a white horse. And I go, wow. I said, how come we never had that name before? Well, because back in the day when I was growing up, to say you were native was not a good thing. And it was very, it was very uh, bad. My father uh, suffered a lot. He faced a lot of those kind of things. And my grandfather, who was a great musician, uh, had to say he was Spanish just to play in the big bands back in the day. And even to go into the army, he said he was Spanish. Because you got to remember that uh, Native, the wars between Native Americans and the uh, uh, United States wasn't that far removed from 
the early 1900s. And so uh, they didn't they want to let him go into the army. These, this is what my father was, stories that he has told me. And, but going back to Sherman, uh, I, I can honestly say that they got a education that they use for the rest of their lives. And they were taught skills and everything. But back in those days, women or girls were, were trained to be housewives and seamstresses and do uh, work that associated with girls. And boys were taught to be farmers and work as blacksmiths and all that heavy labor stuff. And beginning you know, technology wasn't, it wasn't like it is today, you know. But the kids today, I, I've uh, done uh, programs with Sherman, uh, some of their uh, events, uh, powwows and everything else. And the kids have more freedom today. They're allowed to wear their hair long, speak their languages. They learn more about their culture. It, it just completely changed, you know. What's but when my fam family went there, it was a whole different ballgame, more disciplinary and more a simulation to American life. Forget about who you are. Can't speak the language. None of that it was all different than now. It's, that's completely gone. That's completely changed. That was tribal elder, musician, and cultural historian Michael Whitehorse Aviles. The rest of his interview will be podcast at HealingWisdomRadioShow.com and Apple Podcasts. You've been listening to Healing Wisdom at Outermost Radio. All of our shows are podcasts at WOMR.org. Also check out HealingWisdomRadioShow.com. And contact me at Pandora at WOMR.org. Our theme music is provided by Mazin. You can find her website at MazinMusic.com. That's M-A-E-S-Y-N 